welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we are chatting with Nicholas Fournier from Orion Games, the creator and developer of Megapulse, an adrenaline-fueled, futuristic hover car racing game that plays two to four players. It's coming to Kickstarter on November 9th. Nicholas, welcome to The Binge. How you doing? Hey, James. Thanks for having me. It is awesome having you here. A fellow Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> from Montreal. From Montreal, Montreal. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> so, Nicholas, uh, tell me a little bit about your, other than the fact that you live in one of the greatest countries on earth, uh, and I'm sure <laughs> you'd probably argue one of the best provinces in, in the country. Tell us about your background. What got you kind of into the gaming industry in the first place? Is this something you've been doing your whole life or? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, I've been playing board games and also making games pretty much my whole life. Oh. Uh, you know, it's that kind of thing where like it was a passion from when I was, a, I was a kid and I just kept doing it. And I had like those very, very bad early prototypes when I was young. So <laughs> people were not scared to tell me like they were very bad, <laughs> you know, so uh, I, I got to learn quickly and I just kept doing it. And uh, I've been doing it professionally for uh, a few years now. So I'm, I'm as well as a board game designer, I'm also a graphic designer. Yeah. So that, that was something I was doing uh, in my career, career before shifting to board game design. So, so are you that, still doing that? Or like, are you still on the side, like a, uh, you know, graphic design or have you shifted a hundred percent over to, to games now? Like, is it kind of, you're doing both or? Yeah, I'm kind of still helping uh, in some project graphic design wise because okay. I've been hired as a graphic designer in a, um, in a game studio uh, in Montreal. Oh, wow. And I kind of shifted to game designer uh, as, as I moved along in the company. And now I'm still helping on some of these graphic design projects, but I'm mainly doing uh, game design now. I'm doing gra uh, board game design as well as video game design because it's a studio that does both. Oh, so cool. um, we're starting a new video game project uh, in the last few weeks. It's been pretty, pretty cool to start a new something, a big project and all the brainstorm. It's a fun part. Now, video game design as well is pretty labor intensive as well, is it not? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, we're in the early steps of that new project, so we, yeah. it's still pretty calm. We're taking our times to uh, to figure out uh, how the game plays, what's the systems, and all that stuff. Uh, we're not yet in the uh, in the the last rush uh, before releasing the game. That's always the most intense part, but uh, so far so good. <laughs> and are you responsible for like the user experience, or what part of the game do you do? Are you purely the the graphics, like creating the actual elements that are going to be on screen, animating, or kind of what do you do in that regard? So I'm not really doing any of the graphics right now. Okay. Uh, uh, we are a small team. We have reduced the team size to have a small, smaller group to brainstorm the game. So uh, right now I'm just the, the one guy doing the game design. So I'm uh, oh, wow. doing the system. So it's a survival game. So I'm doing the crafting system, the exploration system, and the combat, all that stuff, how the different systems work together. Yeah. So I, I like, I'm just writing game design documents and writing pages and pages of documentation on how the systems work. And eventually I'll probably help on the graphic design side once the game design is fairly completed. So with a game like this, is it, uh, does it take a long time? Like how long does it take to make, like, is this like an app or is this actually like a console type game you guys are working on? So it's a PC game that we're aiming okay. to launch on console as well. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's a long process. Like three years, um, how, how many years does it take to create <laughs> yeah, this? Um, 
Well, it depends how what stage you're looking at, right? Because uh, the complete game, maybe three or four years. Wow. Uh, but with Steam these days, you can have some early access where you can release the game uh, and say it's a re early access and keep developing the game with the feedback of people. So we're looking for maybe in one year uh, being able to give the, the game out to people and have them try it out and give some feedback. And then maybe in three years, four years, we'll be completely done with the game. Do some beta <laughs> testing and things like that, right? Yeah, there's a bunch of process. And like in board game design, you're doing some a bunch of playtesting as well and, and then, uh, then adding stuff, yeah. And how have you found the balance between those two things? Like other people I've talked to in the industry that have uh, come from the, the video game side and they, they work on the board game side, often they see that almost as a an escape, quite frankly, from you know, the tediousness sometimes of the, the video game side, right? And, you know, where the last thing they want to do is touch a computer, right? So they would say, oh, I want to get more into something tactile. How's that experience been for you? Has it been something similar or has it just been more kind of from your background and, and love of board games? That's what's kind of driven this. Yeah, I've kind of always liked both uh, yeah. personally because um, I, I was looking at video game design for a while before seriously considering board game design because um, there's no really board game related uh course at university uh at, at least in montreal like you have to go through the video game path if you yeah. want to go into design so i took that path and i you know i i still like video game design um but board game design you know i've been playing board games designing board games i'm all life it just fits right it just feels right for me yeah. uh to to finally do that and feels like th this is exactly what I've been waiting to do in my career. So it's really, really fun to do it. Um, now for the the change of pace, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. But then in board games, you're smaller teams. You know, it's a less, uh, less big uh, medium. Yep. So you're kind of doing the manufacturing side, distribution side as well for these companies when you do board game design. So you're having more fun in design process, but then you, you have to struggle with all this stuff after. Yeah, become so. more of a business manager, right? <laughs> exactly, like it's yeah. A lot of people don't realize, realize that, that often a lot of these um, indie board game companies are a company of one, mm -hmm. right? The bolt on maybe, uh, you know, different uh, network of individuals to help kind of bring it forward. But, you know, for the most of it, it is driven by one person, right? So, mm -hmm. When you were younger, what kind of games were you creating? Like, what were you, were you modifying existing board games or were you creating things completely from scratch or what were you doing? So, um, well, it, it all started when uh, at school, I was yeah. kind of bored in class, you know, and uh, I started to design some games that could be played just on paper with some uh, highlighters or the, the Sharpies and just passing these these pages to my friends on next ne next next uh, desk. Sorry. And uh, then from from there, I kind of uh, experimented with other types of board games. And I remember my first real board game I was trying to make. I was like, OK, I'm going to do uh, uh, Warcraft 3 as a board game. And it was so ambitious. And I was like eight years old. And I was like, all right, this is going to be epic. And it took like forever to play. It was very boring. Uh, <laughs> but then uh, I just played a lot of games with my family, uh, modern board games. So I all when I was young, I had all these references of good board games uh, that I was playing. And that kind of built my toolbox uh to create some better games after that so um really it's just been doing some like having an idea designing it 
doing yeah. something else like doing like 50 games in a year just oh, like wow. trying to do, do different stuff you know i was young I, I had time after school i was doing that stuff and then when i became older uh, i kind of missed that so i entered some uh game jam contest mm -hmm. so you know uh, game jams are usually for video games but we have some yeah. for board games here in montreal so which is really cool oh it's cool uh, so it's 12 hours of competition you're just trying to create oh, a board game from scratch and i i I think I've won them all except one, uh, and I, it's, it's just so fun, you know. It's just test test your skills and try to get a new idea. And that's actually how how I met my current boss. He, he was ah. a judge there, and he was like, "Oh, this this is potential." And he hired me. <laughs> you know, when you're saying that um, you're, you're creating a lot of you know games, right? Like yeah, tons yeah. and tons of games each year. Mm -hmm. It almost reminds me of an interview I was watching with Ed Sheeran, and he was talking about uh, writing music. And he's and his advice was write often as much as you can. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, yeah. when he first started off, he wrote, he was writing a song a day. And he goes, when I reflect back on a lot of those songs, a lot of them are crap and garbage. Mm -hmm. He goes, but what it does is it starts training you on how to create. And he goes, eventually, you know, through that iterative process, something good is going to come out of it. And I see board game design very similar, where if you're trying to get into this industry, got a lot of game ideas, you know, keep, keep creating them, you know, keep creating games. Eventually you're going to land on something that is kind of like, wow, right. The next kind of big mm -hmm. thing. So it's kind of cool to hear someone like yourself uh, do that. Uh, and we were saying earlier about uh, education, although they don't have that much role. We've had two people now on this podcast that are actual professors of game design, one mm -hmm. in California, one in Toronto. So it is an emerging discipline i guess i would say that's starting to come yeah. out which is really cool and exciting and being in the that's something as well i want to help with because uh i i'm currently doing in university my uh bachelor in uh, video game design because i can't do the board game design one but uh i'm like speaking with the professors and the teachers and all that stuff uh, to help create a board game uh design program here in montreal when i'm done with my doctorate and all that stuff you know so i want to go awesome. like far enough to be to have the diplomas to actually create a program myself with the, the help of those already there because it, it's there's an interest there's definitely people who want that analog game design program uh but you, you, there's there need to be someone to create it in the first place so, so megapulse how did this game come about where did the idea for megapulse come from it, to me it is almost like um tron uh, you know, meets uh, Alita Battle Angel, kind of those two things merged together. <laughs> it's the first thing I thought of when I was when I was looking at kind of this yeah, game yeah. And, and how it's created it. I mean, it's just neon and it's just, oh man, it just, it sucks you in. It is, it is super cool looking, but where did the idea, where's the genesis of the idea? Where'd that begin? And how long ago was that? Um, yeah. So at the beginning, uh, it was at a time where I actually stopped school because uh, I was like, I, I don't want to, you know, I, going the uh, the video game away. Yeah. Uh, that's really that really becomes video games and university. In college, it was all about uh, programming and websites and all that stuff. I was doesn't really my thing. So I stopped that and I tried to go all in into board game design uh, and try to do something, you know, go on Kickstarter yeah. or something. And um, 
I had a friend, uh, Samuel, who helped me uh, do that. And we did a bunch of projects together. And one of them was Megapulse. And we just scrapped it like any other project. And we just kept working on other stuff and scrapped it again and working on other stuff. At some point, we had a bunch of people saying, hey, where's that prototype you made at Playtest a few months ago? It was really fun, like the racing game. And I was like, oh. No, oh, it was another game I made, but who cares? And we're like, we care. We want to play again. I was like, really? So, like, it was one that's stuck into people's mind after a few months they played it in, in you know, a sea of different prototypes. That, that yeah. was the one that's that. Uh... So, uh, that was the, the birth of Megapulse is we tried to um, to make it something else. So, we, we tried to um, put some gameplay into that basic idea that it was because at the beginning there wasn't much to it it was just the the curve mechanic you know so when you move in curves you slide out towards the wall and if you're already next to the wall you take damage in those curves so the uh the premise of it was do you want to go faster and just take damage in those walls or do you want to do some sideways movement to keep going so mm-hmm. the, the doing the, the sideways movement was really fun for us so it was a question of timing so the more you go before you move sideways the more damage you take uh, but doing the sideways movement inwards inward inside the center of the curve was a safe move right so it was uh, um just a choice okay, uh, speed and damage or uh safety and uh being more slow so that uh that wasn't tied to to like racing or futuristic or anything any theme yet it was just that idea and uh then we slapped on it a a retro futuristic theme like a tron you know that that kind of stuff so that's why you see on the track it's like very neon like a cyan magentas all those colors really pop um but then the link to what you said like uh yeah it feels like tron but for some people it feels like mario kart or wipeout okay. or f-zero i think it's a of... generation you grew up in right so yeah <laughs> I grew exactly. up in the 80s right? so, so i'm the... automatically thinking tron <laughs> and uh, the track reminds mm-hmm. me of like when i was a kid when you'd actually have like the electronic race tracks right and you would actually yeah construct yeah. it and you'd build it and you can either do an oval or mm-hmm. kind of like you have here you could put a, a curve in it and like an s shape and so forth and and create cutoffs and stuff like that. So it was very reminiscent of, for lack of a better word, almost taking like toys that we played with the kids, yeah, taking video games that we played as kids, taking some futuristic concepts of movies we watched in our kids, and kind of like crunching it all together. And then you've got Megapulse, right? That, is- that's exactly it. That's how it was born. Because at the beginning, we didn't have all those cool. references. That was playtesters playing the game, like yeah. you, telling us those references, like telling us their childhood memories of them playing with Hot Wheels or yeah. playing with toy cars or uh, these video games. Yeah. And we said, like, you know what? It, yeah, it, it does have that vibe. And we made it more and more like those things. And that's one question we asked our playtesters after they played the game. We were like, okay, we we told you it was a wipeout f-zero inspired game did you feel like it was one did you feel like anything was missing from your experience uh compared to what you expected right and in the ideas they gave us we kind of put them into the game as upgrades or as systems and um in the end we have a board game that we hope will reflect like and and, uh, emulate all those memories for all those people yeah, it's cool. And I think, and I'm, I'm sharing the screen for people watching. And if you're listening to the podcast, you should definitely check out uh, our YouTube uh, link and see some of the visuals because it is an assault on your eyeballs. It is so much color <laughs> in a good yeah. way. It's awesome. And so walk me through, 
how do you play this game? So give me the, the essence. So you talked about this core mechanic, how yeah. when you're when you're racing and, and if you want to go faster, then you're going to kind of go towards the edge of the track, kind of like you would have in real life if you're driving a car, yeah. but you run the risk of damaging your car when you're going around this curve. So start off with these player boards, which are super cool. And you've got these modular kind of uh, like drivers that kind of plug into the player boards. Mm-hmm. Walk, walk us through that. Yeah, so those are triple layered player boards wow. uh, and they feel really good because, uh, you know, they're not just three layers on top of each other. They, they It feels like they have texture to them because the first layer is not like completely covers the second one. So there's com- some kind of levels to the yeah, player yeah. board. It feels really nice in hand. That's awesome. And th- this is your, your hover car, basically. So you choose a player board that represents which car you're driving. And then, as you said, you snap to that uh, uh pilot tile so that's the the guy who pilots the year or the girl it, it's a yeah. pretty uh, uh unisex uh characters uh you plug uh, plug them to the uh the board and that makes your your you know your driver in the hover car and on these player boards you can track your speed so the more speed you have the more you'll move each turn so that's just a base speed you still have some cars you're going to play to move forward or do some crazy tricks but you have a base speed that you makes you move uh and that goes up to four but to give you an example um th- this game is about how to utilize the track and the boost and your nitro and your cars and your power-ups to move more mm-hmm. uh the max speed on that speed gauge you can obtain is four four movement per turn but many people kind of move on average 10 spaces per turn and okay. on that last round they can move up to 20 22 spaces in one round right wow. that's just because they made some good decisions on how they're gonna uh, maneuver the track and use the, their abilities so it, it really feels like a fast game and you have that nitro gauge as well on those player boards mm-hmm. so you have uh, on the on the left you have a nitro gauge that you're going to gain some nitro over time as you pass some bo- some boost pads or as you play some cards and you can spend that nitro consume it to move a bunch of spaces so you kind of wait for the right time and then just blast through uh, the finish line right mm-hmm. um one cool thing i find about those player boards is also the, the health so you have an illustration of the hover car on there and it's uh damage so there's five uh damage spots on that player board but at the beginning of the game you're gonna put these health tokens on top of the illustration on top to cover the damage spots and that replaces with a picture of a perfectly clean car so as you take damage you move them down you remove those tokens and you reveal the damage underneath and that feels very thematic like we we mm-hmm. have just it doesn't matter which ones you take first it just you know there you have five hp but you know some people get crashed on the side and there's like okay i'm going to remove the the one from the side because it's feel it feels cool you crash there like it, visually it represents the, the damage so there you go and you can you know ins- uh, insert some cards on the side that's your uh, upgrades you can you have a spot to place your selected cards each turn on the, on the top and the reference tile snaps at the bottom so they're very modular they're made to to like to s- that so that everything snaps uh into the player board game that is uh awesome <laughs> it is awesome and then the the what are the bombs so i saw on the player board there was these kind of bomb yep. sections so what is that yeah, so th- those are bombs. Uh, they are called super bombs that you can place behind you during the race. Uh, they cover a, a two spaces wide, so they, they, they're very large, and people can try to shoot them to make them detonate in distance, or they can try to avoid them with some sideways movement. But if you do hit the bombs, it explodes. It deals a bunch of damage around. So two damage in the whole zone where you're at and one damage adjacent to that. So uh, people are caught in the blast. They're damaged as well. Uh, if you place a bomb but can't get away before it explodes, you're kind of caught in your own blast. So these are really fun to place on track. 
So you're physically placing them on the track. So you take them yeah, off yeah, the board. Yeah, yeah, there's you miniatures. Physically place them on the. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, there's there are miniatures that can place on the track, and you know you can block people's path with them. You can just have a bunch of fun. They can trigger chain reactions if they're close to each other. Yeah, they, they're they're fun toy to play around with. Oh, that's awesome. And then so and you're different. Uh, so the the cars all start off the same, are they? They have the same kind of abilities, the cars, but the players that you choose are like the actual drivers are different, right? Yeah, there's a symmetry on in both. So okay. the, the the pilot you choose has a special ability that's called a catalyst uh, that will help you. For example, the, the trickster has a grappling hook. You can grapple oh, cool. to someone and move with them. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Then the the expert is very precise. He can move diagonally when he activates his ability. So they, they each have a, a very strongly different ability. And that ability gets stronger as they get behind in the race. So that's a catch-up mechanic. So if you're too far behind, your ability gets stronger. So that's very uh, asymmetric. Now, the, the vehicle have some asymmetry, but it's not that strong because uh, that get, this game plays with cards. So yeah. you have seven cards in hand. These cards will allow you to change your turn order, move sideways, uh, drift through curves, all that stuff. Mm. And basically, um, you play two of these cards each turn. Then you reveal. There is some simultaneous action selection. But you can change these cards. So there's upgrades that you're going to gain as you pass the checkpoints on the map. And these upgrades will go into your hand. They will uh, do some hand building, we call it. So it's like a deck so builder. Yeah, but you never lose your cards. After you play them, you take them right back into your hand. Okay. So that means we, uh, you, you kind of build your deck, but it's in fact your hand. So you build your options of what you can do on your turn. Okay. Um, how so does that, that reset, though? So once you play that card, then how does that card get reset to your hand? Is it just on the next the turn? the round. Yeah. Okay. Right, uh, as it. soon as the round is over, we take them back. Yeah. Got it. So because of that, uh, the asymmetry of the hover card is just one special card in your hand, uh, because we don't need much difference in the different hands. Because as soon as we start racing, we gain upgrades and it starts being different right away. Yeah. How many how many uh, racers can you choose from? Is it like so? I know there's two to four players, but how many actual yeah. characters can you? So there are uh, four hover cars and four racers, so you can okay. mix and match them as you like. Uh, we do have uh, expansions planned, so there's going to be one available at the start of the campaign and more unlocked if we raise enough. And those will add more characters and more hover cars and more mechanics, all that stuff. Oh, that's cool. So over time, if you want to kind of get more combinations and permutations, you have the ability to do that with expansions and so forth. Yeah, definitely. Like, for example, uh, on, the, on the launch, we have the Soul Flux expansion, which yeah. has the uh, Mystic and the Colossus and as the pilots and the mystic can uh, spawn uh, ghost copies of himself so oh, cool. uh, there's gonna be these ghost copies and the, you try to gain the boost pads with the ghost to gain benefits from that so they, they're very varied very cool to experiment with yeah and, and how many laps and how many laps yeah. are in this in this game Oh, uh, you can choose. So we have a, a track booklet uh, with around 30 different suggested track. And uh, we say how long it takes to do one lap on each of those tracks. So you can do one, two, or three laps, depending on how much time you want to invest in the game. So, you know, at Gen Con in Essen, we were doing 20-minute games. Hmm. So 20, 25 minutes, very quick. Uh, but then again, if I'm playing So how many laps friends, is that? Like a 20-minute game, how many laps would that be? We're doing uh, one lap, one lap. Of, a, okay. of a small track. Uh, you can... We, we usually we recommend like a two laps on the medium track and that's about mm. uh 60 to 90 minutes yeah because it's just go for it yes, i was gonna say your module <laughs> yeah no it's cool the modular track which i'm showing on screen here for people to see so you can see these kind of these tiles how do how does it do you just lay it down or does it click into itself somehow or how do how do you lay out that track yeah, for the physical prototypes right now, we have uh, they they just you just lay them down next to each other. Uh, but we will have the uh, a small indent, you know, so that they can click with each other. Got it. Uh, That's to cool. Make it easier. 
And then, and then you can create literally any combination you want, right? Like you're building this track as a show in the yep. images on screen there, where if you want to put a curve and you put a curve and then you're seeing, or I thought I read somewhere that you can do shortcuts and how does that work? <laughs> yeah. So there are some weird ones in there. Yeah. So the track can, uh, if you use them correctly, you can uh, split the track in two. Uh, maybe you can have a uh, two different paths with different options there. Maybe you can do a shortcut where uh, maybe the shortcut is very hard to take, but if you don't take the shortcut, you have an extra upgrade to try to catch to people who got shortcut um there are some weird ones that will do uh, harder curves uh some ones that will make the the track more narrow and then wider again yeah. uh so yeah the with these different uh special track tiles we call them uh there's a bunch of fun you can have building those tracks so i want to dig into your um catch-up mechanic that you were talking mm -hmm. about earlier on what was the idea behind that? Why why did you want to why was that important to you to put that into the game? Yeah, so the, the game is a game about crashing into each other, shooting each <laughs> other, placing bombs. It's uh it's a game designed to be uh strategic, but at the same time the strate the strategy uh, strategy sorry is mainly around um, trying to outsmart people. And it's not fun if, if there's no one to outsmart. So we have a very subtle, subtly implemented catch-up uh, naturally into the game. So it's, for example, we have a shooting action to shoot people in front of you. And that instantly hits them, right? It's a missile yeah. that hits them and you can shoot people. But if you want to attack people behind you as the first player, you have to drop bombs and you're hoping that these bombs will blow up, but maybe they won't. So there's every single bit of the game is designed so that it's, slightly easier to catch up to people than it is to run away so that makes the game very tight mm. uh, but if all of that fails uh, we have the catch up so if you're too far behind for example if you have made some bad decisions because it's your first game or yeah. if you had some people gang up on you and shooting you and yeah now you're destroyed and you have to repair and keep going uh, this catch-up mechanic will help you uh go back into the race but um the way it's designed is it, it won't allow you to catch up to the leader, only catch up the distance um, of which you're too far behind, right? So we, we have five spaces between each other, which is the perfect distance between each player. Mm. So uh, th this will help you catch up a bit. And then from there, you're back in the race. You still have a chance to win. It's up to you to try to make some good decisions to actually pass the leader. That's cool. Um, so that was very important to us because uh, if there's a runaway leader, that's all Yeah, it sucks, do. right? It's like, all right, well, why keep playing? Because that guy's already too far ahead to catch, right? Yeah. So there's no point anymore. <laughs> yeah. and, and then your uh, the bombs. How do you recover your bombs? I was thinking about this. When you put the bombs down, mm -hmm. how do you get them back? Is it just when you make, complete the lap, then you get your, your bombs back? Or how does that work? Well, so the bomb stays there until the end of the game or until it okay. explodes. So that means you can place a bomb as the last player just because you want to screw up the first player when he finished mm. the lap, right? Uh, but as soon as the bomb explodes, it goes back into your inventory. So you have three of these bombs. I never saw someone... Uh, not having enough bombs, right? Because you have up to three bombs, but usually you place them smartly enough that they explode at some point. So, uh, you know, you can place as many bombs as you want to. They're yeah. they're balanced. They're not overpowered. So you can have fun with them and don't feel bad. And then the, and I think it was Alex Radcliffe. I was watching an interview with him when he was talking mm -hmm. about the game or he's doing an overview. And so the cars can actually like get damaged to the point where they yeah. stop driving. Is that is that correct? And you have to repair them or how, how does that how does that work? 
Kind of. That felt bad. That was in the very early versions of the game. We okay. had like if you're broken, you lose a turn, basically. And then okay. you repair and keep going. Um, so now you don't lose a turn. You only have to give give up your speed to repair. But on that same turn, you can still play your cards and these cards will help you move. And on that next turn, you're you're you have some speed and you can keep so there's a speed something. penalty basically to repair. So you're it's, going it's speed, speed versus penalty. repairing your car kind of a thing. So yeah. it's kind of trade-offs, right? Yeah, and it's not that bad. In the uh, on the other hand, what yeah. we give is uh, if I damage you, yeah. you know these uh, health uh, these health tokens I, I talked to you about. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna remove them from your illustration. Cool, some damage on the need. All right, but that token you place it next to my color on your player board, so you keep track that L I dealt the damage to you. Oh, okay. So at the end, if if you're destroyed, then because for example, I gave I I dealt three damage to you. I have three frenzy tokens, and I can spend them to move forward more. So the it's not the killer that gets the reward; it's everyone who participated in the in the destroying that, that player <laughs> in the frenzy. Right? <laughs> yeah, so they get rewarded I for damaging other players. <laughs> that means that we create the same distance between yeah. the destroyed and the others uh, yeah. without making the destroyed feeling bad because you can just keep playing, but the other ones have a reward to keep going faster. That's awesome. So what's the next steps? So you're going to launch on November 9th, right? Is when this hits Kickstarter. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, I have put a link in the show notes. So if anybody wants to check out the show notes, if they want to check out this campaign, uh, they should, because it, it, at the very least, just visually, this is something to behold. Like it just looks awesome. I mean, it's a showpiece, right? When people walk by, they're like, oh, what's that? Like it pulls you in. Mm, definitely. Um, and and then kind of what what are the steps after? So after you finish your campaign, um, you know, and my hope for you is that you fund because I want to see this game out there. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, oh what comes next <laughs> after that? Is it more expansions, or do you have other games in your repertoire that you're working on, or kind of what's kind of in the, mm -hmm. the future for Orion Games? So uh, we'll be focusing on fulfilling megabulls. Yeah. Uh, but after that, we have um, with Devin. Devin uh, has been helping okay. me immensely uh, doing yeah. the marketing and all that stuff. He's been with me at Gen Con. Uh, he's been just awesome. And uh, basically, he has a game called Punch Kick Block, which is also awesome. Mm. So uh, we talk about trying to get Punch Kick Block on Kickstarter after megapulls and maybe doing some partnership after that uh in the long run we really like doing some designs and working together so we might That's awesome. uh, try to join forces it's cool seeing that in the industry seeing various developers designers working together right and we're all mm. kind of trying the same goal which is how do we get more people playing more games how do we get more games onto the market you know let's keep the industry growing so i think that's awesome if somebody wants to follow along how best do they follow you for this campaign uh, so to follow me, you can follow us on uh, Facebook. We're very active there. Just search Megapulse. We post all kind of updates there. Yeah. Uh, you can also go to our landing page if you want to subscribe to the mailing list. Uh, it's jure.orion.com. Uh, 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 it's a French name, so we'll have it uh, linked in the description, I'm sure. Yeah. But I think actually uh, even if you type in orionngames.com, I think it takes Orion you to games, that same I'm spot. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Orionngames.com. It does. <laughs> it takes you there. I tried it today, so... And um, also, yeah. one last thing is if you subscribe to the mailing list before the Kickstarter, so you have eight days for that, we give you a free small expansion with your pledge. So, you know, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Membership has benefits. Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you again, Nicholas, for your time. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I want to wish you all the best for this campaign. I can't wait to see where you guys land. Thank you, you take so care. much. Cheers. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. 
If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time. We'll